Today is the last sermon we will have on the sermon series entitled Transformation for Tomorrow. And today's title is Bears of the Blessings. The second scriptural passage for today is one that we have all heard many times. In fact, it is one of the best known biblical passages. It is called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is defined as having received supreme blessedness and grace from God. And because of that supreme blessedness and grace, to have exalted happiness. And because of that, Jesus speaks eight Beatitudes. To fully understand them, we first have to take a look at the setting in which Jesus states them. By the time he gives the Beatitudes, his fame had spread far and wide. He had healed all kinds of diseases, and people were flocking to him. So to get away from them for a little while, he climbs a mountain with his disciples. He sits down in typical rabbinic style, and he begins to teach. His teachings contained in Matthew 5 through 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount and once again are a famous scriptural passage. The Sermon on the Mount is known to be the ethical teachings of Jesus and many say it is the core of Christianity. The Beatitudes are an introduction to that teaching. In each statement, Jesus describes those who are blessed, those who are truly favored by God, those with the most justification to be happy, hopeful, and content. They are in a right relationship with God, otherwise known as righteousness. But in describing those who are to be blessed, Jesus throws a ringer to us. He surprises us. He does not talk about people we might think as being blessed, such as the rich, the powerful, the healthy, the carefree. Instead, he talks about the poor, the afflicted, and the mourning. And they are at the top of the list of those who should be blessed. Instead of ethical teachings, the Beatitudes are more like a gift from Jesus to us. They are a demonstration of just who is to be blessed. A demonstration strikingly different from the conventional one. The thing that that tends to describe those things that are blessed as material possession, gifts and talents. Instead... Jesus highlights not that which has already been given, but he highlights where there is emptiness, longings, hungers, and needs. Included in your order of worship is a uh, printout of the Beatitudes in an insert. I invite you to take them out and follow along with them as I go along the sermon, but more importantly, take them home with you. Reflect on the words that are printed there. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I'm sure you can tell these words directly contradict the conventional wisdom. The world seems to favor those who look out for themselves, the powerful and the prideful, those who rely on strength and weapons and cunning. But Jesus says that divine blessing comes to those who do the right thing, even and especially when the odds are stacked way against them. To peacemakers in a world infatuated with war and intentionally caused dissension. To visionaries in a world that routinely persecutes prophets. To make this distinction clear, let's hear the blessing you might hear today based upon the world today. Blessed are the rich in things and self-assurance. Blessed are those untouched by loss. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are those who are practical about righteousness and compromise it at every turn. Blessed are those who demand and exact an eye for an eye. Blessed are the crafty and the opportunistic. Blessed are those bold enough to make war. Blessed are those who, doing good things, receive many accolades. Blessed are those who, following Jesus, are widely praised and adored. So what do the Beatitudes mean in the living of our lives here today? Jesus is saying that we are to actually live the Beatitudes in every aspect of our lives. It is what he calls us to do to be truly blessed. In order to do this, I think we have to overcome ourselves and overcome what the world would say we need to be blessed. We must understand that the Beatitudes are not just pious hopes of what shall be. They are not glowing nebulous prophecies of what some future bliss may hold. They are congratulations on what is now. The blessedness that belongs to Christians is not a blessedness that is just postponed to some future world of bliss. It is a blessedness that exists here and now. It is not something the Christians will enter. It is something to which has been entered into. 
There's no simple assurance that living the Beatitudes will be somebody's life of blessed roses. We can claim them as values to teach our children and virtues to pursue in our daily life. But they are not stepping stones to success, at least not in this world. As someone said, blessed are the meek. You got to be kidding. Try that next week. Some of you go to work and see how far meek gets you. Meekness is fine for church, but in the real world, those that are meek at the very least get ignored or frequently trampled upon. The Beatitudes are not rules to follow that we may be victorious in all things. When I race a sailboat, the crew has four absolute rules to follow. The first is to be safe. No matter what the weather conditions are, no matter what the wind is, no matter what the water is, to be safe. And sometimes that's very difficult. Number two, to have fun. Many is the time you're getting knocked around, you're sitting on the rail, a boat, water's crashing over you, one crew member looks at the other and says, are we having fun? But that's rule number two. Rule number three is to really work hard to beat every single boat out there, to be number one. And rule number four is the most important rule. And that is, a member of the crew is never, ever supposed to question, let alone criticize, the skipper. Now, I have been racing for many years. And hardly ever are rules one, two, or three violated. On the other hand, rule four is violated multiple times in every race. The point is, is that the Beatitudes aren't a set of rules to follow. It's difficult to understand the Beatitudes of Jesus. Perhaps its wild, untamed quality is the very source of their power. Anybody who learns these words and incorporates them into their life may have an understanding of them. But whoever takes these teachings seriously may wonder, can Jesus actually say them in such a rough and tumble world that has existed at his time and also at our time? Do they not really bring a source of peace? No, they're more unsettling than bringing peace. They do not comfort the anxious parents. Give quick assurances to politicians or promise relief for those who are persecuted or discriminated against. But again, they do cause us to wonder. These blessings by Jesus are truly inscribed upon our hearts. And they should prompt us to wonder whether or not they're true. Are the poor in spirit truly blessed by God? Is God revealed to the poor in heart, the pure in heart, excuse me? Will God give the earth as a free inheritance to the meek? The Beatitudes of Jesus announce a realm of values 
that press us, press us to ask, well, where do we belong? Where do we belong? Do we belong in a world of persecution, war-making, and hostility? Or do we belong in a realm of mercy and comfort, purity, and righteousness? The answers to these questions calls for the need of a chart, a guide, to help us navigate our lives. Throughout our world, the church and our homes, a common question is being asked. People want to know if the waters of life are navigable. And if so, how? People are looking for a way to deal with the challenges, the uncertainties, and the difficulties of life. Will my newly diagnosed disease dramatically change my life? Will I live? Due to the loss of my job, will I become homeless? I have lost my loved one. How will I manage living life alone? How will the frailties of aging affect my life? Will I still be able to have a rich and full life? To these questions and so many more, we want assurance that the direction of our life will offer meaning and connect us to something that is much greater and bigger than our story. How do we move forward? What are we to teach and tell our children and grandchildren? Those are the age-old questions asked in every generation. We need something to give us direction. Now, most of us have been taught to navigate the waters of life through power, strength, accomplishment, and acquisition. We work to bewitch so that we can have what we want. We seek power so that we can take what we want. We argue to be right so that we can have our way. We compete to win so that we will be respected and admired. We want to be beautiful so that we'll be liked and desired. At least that's what many of us have been told. But Jesus would say, for too long, that has been the myth with which we have lived. Jesus' life and teachings fly in the face of that myth. Jesus offers a different way of navigating life. He offers us a chart or a guide to lead us through the waters of life. Those waters, he says, are navigable. But it's not through power, strength, accomplishment, or acquisition. The way forward is not what we have always done. It is not enough for us as believers and followers of Jesus to simply make over a little piece of our world. It is not enough to just reform a political or economic system. Navigating life is not about overcoming circumstances or other people. It is about overcoming ourselves and being transformed. If you want to know what that transformation looks like, look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those 
who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That, that, my friends, is the chart. That's the guide for how we navigate life. That is how we meet the challenges, the uncertainties, and the difficulties of life. That is what we are to teach our children and our grandchildren. A lifetime of living the Beatitudes day by day, year after year, is how we are to be transformed. As we hear Jesus' words and consider the Beatitudes, he may speak like this. It's easy to look at ourselves and say, that's not me. That's not the world. That's not even the church. We're right when we say that. We tend to look at what we are not. However, Jesus would say we are to focus on what we can become and called to be. In today's world, that sounds like a lot of weakness and foolishness. And that is what it has sounded like in every single age since Jesus spoke them. In the trauma and setbacks of life, we discover that we cannot do life by ourselves. Instead of using the words and the chart of the Beatitudes simply as a statement, we are to follow them like this. When we admit our need of God, we find purity of heart. The arrogance of self-sufficiency gives way to meekness. We realize that all we are and have is from God. And we begin to know ourselves as poor in spirit. Our own misfortunes awaken and connect us to the pain of the world for which we cannot help but mourn. We think less about ourselves and become merciful to others. We have nowhere else to go but to God. And so we turn our gaze to God. The longer we gaze at God, the more we hunger for thirst and thirst for righteousness, for God's life. And we become peacemakers, reconciling ourselves and God and our neighbor. The Beatitudes are not so much what we do, our actions, but how we do our very being. They are less about actions and more about relationships. To live the Beatitudes is to live a life of reckless, exuberant self-abandonment of self and full acceptance of God and our neighbor. That, that, the Beatitudes would say, is to be blessed. That is the way of Christ. That is not only the way forward through this life, that is life. If we are to follow Christ, it must become our way. Our way is the Beatitudes. So learn them. Study them. Take them like a stone you'd find in a stream that's real smooth and you rub through your hand. 
put them into your life. And Jesus says, you will be truly blessed. Amen. Now let us stand in body or in spirit and say the affirmation of faith. 